Well, good morning and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church Online. My name is Chris Corbin and I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here at the church. At our church, one of our desires is that as many people as possible would have an encounter with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And our hope is that you will grow deeper in your faith and your relationship with God. And so we are so thrilled that you have joined us this morning as we take the next 45 or so minutes to sing and worship, to pray, and to dive into God's Word. A little bit later in the service, we're going to have an update on our plans for our phased regathering, which starts next week. And also this morning, we're going to be participating in celebration of communion. So I want to invite you to head over to your kitchen to grab something to eat and something to drink. It could be bread, it could be a cracker. You can grab some juice or water, whatever you feel most comfortable with. The point is that you have something to eat and drink as remember, as we remember what Jesus has done for all of us. This morning, we invite you to come with an expectation that God is moving, that he is speaking, and that he wants to meet with you today. So let's start this morning with a word of prayer. I invite you to join me. Let's pray. So Father God, we come this morning with an anticipation and an expectation that you will meet us as we seek you. So we invite you to speak to us this morning through the worship, through the kids' moment, through communion, through the message, or even through the questions for reflection. Lead us and guide us, and may you be glorified in our service this morning. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to hear those words again. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. I really hope that you're able to grasp just how incredible of a truth that really is. That no matter what, God is faithful. It's who he is. As I was personally reflecting on this truth, I was further convinced that ultimately it's because of the nature and the character of who God is that we are able to walk this broken road. It's knowing that God loves us and he will not leave us or forsake us. It's knowing that as we trust him and as we journey with him into the broken areas of our lives, that we can keep going that we can keep on pressing in deeper. You need to know that you can actually face the hard things in life because God won't leave you. He is with you. He is faithful to you. Over the past month, we've been exploring what it means to journey with Jesus on the broken road. I've suggested to you that it's on this road that we allow Jesus to come and to bring healing and wholeness to every broken or damaged or crushed area of our lives. Any area in our lives that is not the way that God intended for us to live. Now, I don't want to lie to you. This is not always going to be an easy road. In fact, it's one that requires perseverance. We have to press in and we have to press on and keep going. 
even when things seem hard or lonely or uncomfortable. It's what the Apostle Paul tells us when he says, not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul saying, I press on so that I can take hold of everything that Christ Jesus took hold of for me. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not trying to get out of the race. In fact, I keep my eyes focused on the goal. Fullness of life in Christ Jesus. As someone said to me earlier this week, it's really not about focusing on our brokenness and our sin at all, is it? Rather, it's about us moving on towards Jesus. And that was such a profound understanding of what we're doing. We're not glorifying our brokenness. And in fact, we don't want to stay in our brokenness. But if we never process these areas of our lives in light of who Jesus is, in light of what he has done for us on the cross and what he actually wants to offer us, what will end up happening is we're going to ultimately end up living a very shallow and superficial life in faith. But on the other hand, the depth of our faith and trust in Jesus is expanded and grows as we allow him to bring healing and wholeness to every part of our lives, including the broken places. As we've been exploring, we've contemplated our need to grieve or to lament the things in our lives that are not the way God intended or even the way we had expected. We need to grieve our losses. We need to grieve our hurts and allow Jesus to bring healing. We've explored our need for repentance, which essentially is turning back towards God and coming into alignment with him. We've explored our need for reconciliation and how through Jesus' death on the cross, which we celebrated earlier this morning, and through our repentance, our relationship with God is restored. And how that's not just a theological reality that we can keep to ourselves. That others actually need to know that God longs to reconcile them as well. This morning, we're going to be talking about forgiving others. But before we get into that, I just want to take a few moments and remind you of this, that walking with Jesus, this race that we are running, it's not a sprint. It's not about doing as much as we can all at once to reach the destination. It's actually about living the fullness of life as God intended. This past week, as I was reading in my devotional time, through the book of Exodus, which is perhaps one of my favorite books of the Bible, I actually came across a verse that really stood out to me. And it's God speaking to Moses. And he's giving Moses instructions on how the people of Israel are supposed to live. He's giving them instructions on how they're to enter into the land that God has promised to them. And in this particular passage, God is actually promising that he will go ahead of the people and prepare the way. And he says this, I will send the hornet out ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. 
but I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. It was the phrase, little by little, that really stood out to me. God was saying, he prepares the way a little bit at a time, one step at a time. And the reality is, is that you can't rush the broken road. You can't just skip over it all in one step. You actually have to take your time. You have to take it one step at a time. We really can't process all of our grief and our losses, our hurts, sins, and, and our sins in one sitting. We have to start with allowing Jesus the opportunity to bring healing to one area, one thing at a time. But this morning, I want to address another topic that's an important piece of walking the broken road. And it's the idea of forgiving others. This past week, I was reminded that this journey that we are on uh, is not a journey we make on our own. We don't live in these isolated bubbles. In life, we are constantly bumping shoulders with people and we're constantly interacting with family and friends, co-workers, neighbors, or even strangers at the grocery store. And so no matter how hard we try, there's going to be breakdowns in those relationships. People are going to hurt us. People are going to disappoint us or let us down. They have the potential to offend us or even to cause us harm. And so as I was reflecting on this, and as I was reading through the book of Mark during my devotional time, I was struck by this encounter between Jesus and one of the Jewish teachers of the law. Jesus has just finished being challenged and tested by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, you know, the religious leaders of the time. When Mark tells us this, he says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. What's interesting is that the teacher of the law was looking for one commandment that was above the rest of them. But Jesus responded with this. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't just give them one command. He gave them two. And the reason was is that he didn't separate them was because they are linked. You cannot love God if you're not willing to love your neighbor, if you're not loving him. And we know that it's easy to love some people. There are some people in our lives that that just comes naturally. But there are other people that we really just can't stand. Amanda and I don't often sit down to watch a lot of TV. But the other night we were watching a show. And in that show, one of the main characters had this running list of all of their enemies. And what they had done to get put on that list. And maybe as you hear that, you laughed. And, but it's probably because you can relate. You may not have a running list. But if I was to ask you, are there people in your life right now that have hurt you? Or that have offended you? 
that you haven't forgiven or that perhaps you even have a grudge towards, could you make a list? Just the other night, I was having a hard time falling asleep because I, was, I kept on thinking about something that had happened earlier in the week. I had experienced a hurt and a frustration through the actions of somebody else, a friend, and someone who hadn't even meant to offend me. But as I was lying in bed, I kept thinking and going over the situation. And I was thinking about what he had done. And I kept thinking about what would I say if I happened to see him or talk to him the next day. And as I was lying in bed and wrestling and, and not able to fall asleep, I heard God whisper to me. He says, you need to forgive this person. No doubt about it, you will, no doubt you will agree with me that in life, uh, in this fallen and broken world, there, it is just so full of opportunities for conflict. You know, we live with broken relationships all around us. Our family members, our, our friends. It's complicated. But as followers of Jesus, we're actually told this. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Not only that, but Jesus actually teaches, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he says the same thing. He says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, most of the time we like to stop after Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But the very next words that Jesus says after that is, if you forgive other people when they have sinned against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins that, that's a tough statement that Jesus has made and I often think, how could we not forgive someone else after we have experienced all of this undeserved forgiveness ourselves? It's even as Rob Reamer says, it is utterly absurd for us to hold someone in our debt in light of the remarkable forgiveness God has offered us. And yet the hard truth is that many of us don't want to hear that we constantly do just that. We keep people locked in their debt. And so despite the ways in which God has forgiven us, we actually refuse to forgive others. Forgiving us of our sins, making a way for us to be reconciled back to God, was Christ's greatest demonstration of love towards us. And so one of the ways that we are able to demonstrate our love for God and our love for our others, for our neighbors, is to forgive them to forgive those who have hurt us, to forgive those who have offended us or have disappointed us, who have caused us harm. You see, forgiving someone is one of the most incredible acts of love that we can extend. You really can't love someone if you are holding a grudge against them. And you can't say that you love Jesus if you're holding a grudge against someone else because Jesus has forgiven them as well. So, the question that I have is that if we want to love others the way Jesus has demonstrated his love for us, and if that loving others means that we extend forgiveness to them, then how do we forgive those who have hurt us? 
Well, step one is we need to remember God's grace. One of the very first steps in being able to forgive others is remembering just how much God has forgiven you. You see, when we remember how much God has forgiven us, we should actually be moved to compassion for everyone around us. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells the parable of an unmerciful servant. He tells of a servant who had such a huge debt that there was no way that he could ever repay it. And so when that master comes to collect the debt, the servant begs the master to just give him some more time to repay. And then in an act of mercy and compassion, the master takes pity on the servant. And not only does he extend the time, he actually completely wipes out the debt. And shortly afterwards, the same servant goes out and he finds another servant who owes him money. And when that second servant begs for money or for mercy, the first servant refuses. And he actually has the man thrown into prison. See, he had completely forgotten the grace that had been extended to him. And so if we are going to forgive others, we need to be constantly reminded of just how much God has forgiven us. The second step to forgiveness is we actually have to choose forgiveness. Forgiveness is what I would call an act of our will, meaning it is something that we actually determine that we're going to do. We physically have to choose to do it. In Colossians 3.13, Paul says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is a commandment and it's a matter of obedience. Forgiveness, it's the duty of every follower. And it's made possible because of the grace that we have received. And so we have to resolve to release people from our debt. It's a choice to release that person from, their, from our offense or from our hurt. Choosing forgiveness means that you actually forgive someone, even when they have not asked for your forgiveness, even when they aren't repentant. And it's one of those crazy things because forgiveness is actually something that is never deserved and it's never earned. I want to just take a moment to remind you that Forgiveness doesn't equal trust. Forgiveness is a gift. It's extended even when somebody can't, doesn't deserve it or hasn't earned it. Trust is something that people earn. But when we forgive somebody, it's all about releasing them from that debt, releasing them from what they owe us, that apology, that reconciliation. And I'm convinced that we have to be determined that we are not going to hold grudges. That we're not going to nurse our wounds and nurture our disappointments. We're not going to hang on to resentments. I was struck by pastor and author Dan Greider when he said, Never hold grudges, because bitterness and resentment always destroy the work of God. Step three in forgiveness is you have to work through the layers. Like every area of brokenness in our lives, there are layers upon layers to work through. And sometimes we may actually feel like we've worked through the issue and then only to find out maybe weeks or months or years later that there's actually more there. Sometimes we might even find ourselves having imaginary conversations. We continue to replay that scenario over and over in our head and, or we're thinking about what we would say or do if we saw them again. 
just like I was doing the other night. And I think it's because we're just not even aware of how deep that hurt goes. And so we need to be honest and we need to actually articulate the ways in which we were hurt and what we are forgiving the person for. Offering up a blanket prayer of forgiveness rarely allows us to actually work through that hurt or offense. We need to speak it out. We need to be specific. It's saying things like, I forgive you for fill in the blank. Because when you did that or said that, it made me feel fill in the blank again. It's working through it. It's articulating it with clarity so that we're actually working through those layers of hurt those layers of offense and, and those, the resentment. Right before Jesus told his disciples the parable of the unmerciful servant, Peter had actually asked him, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister? And I'm sure you remember Jesus' response, don't you? Not seven times, but 77 times. And I think it's because we actually have to continue to work through those layers of forgiven, forgiveness working through those areas of hurt and those layers of woundedness until there's nothing left to forgive. The next step is we have to bless them. You're right, you heard me when I said that. Part of forgiveness is actually blessing the person who has offended you, blessing the person who's hurt you. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6, he says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, this is a countercultural way of the kingdom because the world tells us and movies teach us to hold on to your bitterness, seek revenge. But, and blessing those who curse you really seems like the opposite of what the world is telling us to do. See, when we constantly bless those who wrong you, you actually find that you have no room left in your soul for bitterness or even space to hold on to those grudges. So let me recap those steps for you. The first step is we need to remember God's grace towards us. To remember how much he has forgiven us. The second step is we have to choose to forgive. We have to refuse to allow bitterness, resentment, or grudges of any kind to have any place in our life. Next is we have to work through the layers. Keep on forgiving. Work through the depth of the offense until there is nothing left to forgive. And finally, we have to bless them. I want you to remember, you don't want to rush this process. We really need to take our time. And we need to allow God to speak to our hearts, to our minds and our souls. And we need to allow Jesus to actually meet us there, to truly bring healing. When we find Jesus on the broken road, when he comes and when he brings healing and wholeness and restoration to those areas in our lives that have been damaged, that have been crushed or, or simply are not the way that God intended, when we've experienced his reconciliation and his forgiveness, how can we possibly say that we love our neighbor, that we love God? if we're unwilling to extend the same mercy and grace and forgiveness to those who are around us. It's not an easy task, but it's what Jesus has called us to do. Are you willing? Will you join me in prayer? So Father God, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge 
that you have forgiven us. That you have forgiven us for debts in which we cannot repay. You have extended mercy and grace that we do not deserve. And in the same way that you have extended that mercy and forgiveness to us, you call us to extend it to those around us. And so, God, we need your help to be able to process our hurt, to be able to forgive others, so that we can demonstrate our love for them and our love for you. So we invite you to do that now, Lord, to to speak to our hearts, to reveal the places we still have wounds and hurts and grudges and bitterness and resentment, that we would begin to walk through the steps of forgiving those who have caused them so that we can love you to the fullest. We can experience the fullness of your life, your healing and your wholeness. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.